You are listening to the Hope Church Weekly Message Podcast. Hope Church is located in Cleveland, Texas and meets on Sundays. Pastor Todd and the preaching team desire for this message to bring life in a dark world. For more information about Hope Church, visit HopeChurchCleveland.com. Today is a very special morning and I, I don't want to blow past... Um, the gravity of this morning. We have two churches meeting together, Truth Church and Hope Church. These things, yeah. I'm wearing my Truth Church pen, so I'm going to be a Truth Church member today. Is that okay? We are with that. Hope Church people, I'll be back next week. If you're lucky. Uh, But what I want us to know today is God wants to not only change this area, he wants to change our nation and he wants to change generations. And he can do that through these conversations. So before I I introduce our our distinguished guest, I want to uh, acknowledge his wife, uh, Prophetess Aikisha Cross. She's here with us today. Y'all give her a hand. I surprised her in the first service, but we'll, uh, we'll probably surprise her again at the end of this service. Uh, but I want y'all this morning uh, to give a nice Hope Church welcome to Apostle Kirkland Cross this morning as he joins me on the stage. put you on a lapel this service they said you talk too much with your hands so can you can you say something so we make sure that one's good hi hi (laughs) we good in the back yes okay well now i don't feel like we're good but (laughs) they'll send us messages if we're not yeah it's not on do i need to do i need to unmute him terry stand up (sighs) we may get too personal too quick He's, he's on and running, Terry. Here, you want to clip that back on your pocket so I'll get too fresh with I mean, it? You know. I mean, we're family. We may not be that close, though, right? <laughs> so, Apostle Kirk, we're so happy to have you here with us today. Uh, you know, despite your choice of lapel pins, if you can't see, it's my face. Um, <laughs> like looking in a mirror right here (laughs) your truth and your hope right (laughs) Uh, well the good news is my dad said I think I figured it out so we may have some AC soon so not sure what happened but let's have a moment Lord bless the AC Jesus name amen Amen. all right so Pastor Kirk I know you Uh, your church truth church knows you Truth Church knows me, but some in this room may not know you. So you, can you tell them a little bit about yourself so they know who you are? Mo, that's good. If they're not yelling at you, it's good. Um, I'm Kirkland Cross, senior leader of Truth Church. 
um, here with the True Church family this morning. Um, my beautiful wife, Prophet Akisha Cross. Um, I am one of eight kids. Grew up here in Cleburne, Texas since 1985. That's um, the year I was born. Praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Tell my age didn't die. Um, I'm not telling your age, you did. <laughs> Let me have my excuse. Okay, excuse me. Um, but uh, nonetheless, it's been a journey. It's been a ride. Cleveland has been a, a beautiful place to live, and I like to call it peace. And we're excited to co-labor with you all in this region. Amen. So we've got a... Uh, I forgot to mention, I mentioned it in the first service when I introduced uh, Akisha, but they're having a women's conference here in two weeks. Uh, if you'd like to come and, and be a part, uh, you get to hear uh, Prophet Akisha Cross speak. You also get to hear my beautiful wife, Pastor Chris Lavarve speak. Y'all pray for our home. She's really mad at me. Um, I'm just going to let you behind the veil. Uh, we're going on a mission trip to Romania, and they've asked her to speak. And she's like, how they know that I could speak? I go, I don't know who told them. <laughs> so she's really mad at me right now. So if y'all could pray, if y'all could pray that there'd be peace in the Barma household. She's going to bless a lot of lady ministers in Romania and do an amazing job. Uh, but... And the good news is they let me go with her, so it'll be fun. Uh, but we'll do that in the fall. We're actually going to do that during At The Movies. While you are having fun in At The Movies, one of the weeks will disappear. I'm not going to tell you which week it is because you won't come. Uh, you'll just have to find out. You'll know what week it is. But anyway, <laughs> this morning we are talking about racism. So I looked up the Oxford Dictionary definition of racism so we could have a nice little level playing ground. Uh, racism means prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against a person or people on the basis of their membership in a particular racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or is marginalized. And so I wanted to do a little biblical history too. If you'll go back to Genesis from the beginning. We all started out living in the same part of the world out of the Garden of Eden, but something happened. And, and we'll talk about it in Genesis 11, starting in verse 6. It says, And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. Which I'm just guessing if we had all one language, we all look the same as well. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Hmm. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. So when we were of one accord and one language, and we looked the same, nothing was impossible for us. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. And it was that point that people went to different areas of the world to be with the people that spoke like them. Mm -hmm. And from that moment on, we were different. But if you'll notice, we were so powerful when we were unified yes. that God felt 
the need to confuse our languages. Yes, that people was being a little evil and mischievous, yes. But we were so powerful when we were united that we could do anything. So imagine if we could get back to that. Yes, let us not be mischievous like the people of Babel, but may we be unified to the point that we can do anything. And like I've said before, Satan loves to use our differences to divide us and keep us from accomplishing all the things that God wants us to accomplish. Our differences make us better. Our differences, we all bring different things to the table. But if we allow them to divide divide us, then we cannot be unified. Pastor Kirk, what would you say to that? Um, I would say um, the reality of who we are as believers now, it just kind of dropped in, in my spirit. We all desire to see the Pentecostal move of God. Um, and God experienced God's presence um, and, and we see throughout the history of the body every time they came on one accord God moved and so I, I think if we can find that common ground that we're all believers and come on one accord we'll see God do great works amongst each other Amen Amen so that is to the end of what we planned so from here on out the holy spirit's gonna move okay now we know we've already done this one time so i'm sure there'll be some similarities from here on out uh but however the lord decides to direct this conversation we will and so the first question i have you know i just came back from vacation i'm not even sure what day it is i assume it's sunday since you all showed up on sunday But I was reading a book while we were away. I love to read sports books. It's one thing. Yes, I don't go away and read workbooks on leadership and church. And I go read fun stuff. Okay. So I was reading a book on Tiger Woods. Now, many would say that racism is, is not a thing anymore. But what I read in that book is that even in the early 2000s, there was golf courses that Tiger Woods could not play at because of the color of his skin. Mm-hmm. So in 2022, many would think that racism is, racism is gone, is eradicated. What would you say to that? Um, I, I would say, you know, racism is here. It is, it is woven within the fabric of this nation. You know, it, this nation was founded on that principle. Um, and and I, think, I think now we're just kind of, um, you said it before, it's just kind of nonchalant. You know, it's not as bold as it was, I'll say, in the civil rights movement and this and that, but still in itself, there there are areas where it is intentional. And so I I would say, yes, it's it's here. Okay, so what, you know, I know it's not as in our face as it used to be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously during the civil rights movement and all that, it was was present and in our faces. Uh, And and I'd say in some ways it is in our face Mm -hmm. now. But what are some of the subtle ways that racism takes place that maybe me, if I wasn't looking for it, I wouldn't see it? Um, I would say the, the, the structures of how we live everyday living, um, if you paid attention to it, um, 
uh, I, I mentioned earlier the, the, the reality of uh, education, um, who, who's privy to what um, also, but, but in, in, the, in the facet of, um, I was sharing my mother is a retired educator from Cleburne, and um, there were kids who um, they would test when they didn't understand them for special ed. You know, because this kid may have had a problem, had some areas that they struggled with, and and might have had an attitude. Um, and if that was the case, instead of looking at the root cause of their situation, maybe they needed counsel or a, a psychologist, they would say, this kid has special needs, and, and try to put them, get them tested for special ed. Um, and and And, my mom would see it, and she'd say, no, I know that child. There's nothing wrong with that child. Um, and she'd have them tested for honors, and they'd pass with flying colors. Um, and, and so it's just how we stereotype a thing instead of get to the root of a thing. Um, we see it in, uh, I mentioned earlier, regentrification, which is um, when we try to deem an area um, or rebuild an area um, for better usage, but what happens is, is we drive out the low-income families in that in that neighborhood, and they no longer and we build stuff that they can't even afford, and so it 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 intentionally drives those families out of those neighborhoods um, to replace them with people we deem better. Um, you want me to keep going? Keep going. Uh, talk, talk about, you hit a nerve, and I think it made people think when you talked about the East Cleburne and the, the okay. West Cleburne divide. Okay, so, so we all know Henderson divides what? South and North, and Maine divides East and West. And, and I made the statement, you know, that, that, that realm of being intentional in politics, you know, um, the city council votes on what, what can be zoned where and what we do and where we let people build. And, and I asked the question, how many of you have, have been to East Cleburne to, to shop for groceries? How many of you go dine in East Cleburne? Same response I got, nobody. Why? Because they intentionally build on this side of town. And it is, to, it is to note the fact that this is the lower income side of town. This is the, the marginalized side of town. You know, when I was growing up, my friends, I, I played soccer growing up, and my, my friends couldn't even give me a ride to that side of town because their parents said, no, that side of town is bad. And they've, now to a degree it was, but it also wasn't, you know, there's, there's many variations of, I mean, y'all, we had bad people live on this side of town. You know, I think we just saw somebody got shot somewhere around here about a month ago or so. Um, you know, but, but it, it is the intentionality that in government we pinpoint an area and set it up to fail. By, by not bringing commerce and, and the need to that area, but it, but I asked the question. I said, but if you go to the end of this street, where there's not really houses, not really neighborhoods, 
We got a ballpark being built. We got stores being built. Why? Because we want to keep building where we want it opposed to where it's needed. And so we say, you know what? Let's go vote the whatever tax so they can build up this side while this side is steady dying. This side is steady, you know, desiring, you know, sidewalks. So, So our kids can walk and have a nice, or even drainage, you know, in, 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 in our streets. Um, and so you, 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 you see it evident in subtle advances we make in our communities or not. See, so you talk some other ways. Um, I mean, I, I say overt, but it's not overt because it's, it's out in public. So, but ways that, that racism can happen that we may not know about. Um, okay. You mentioned like in an appraisal. Okay. That story yeah. was really yeah. good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like go and get a house, depending on who you is. We, we call it redlining. You ever heard that term before? Yeah. I don't think I mentioned the term earlier, but redlining um, is where, you know, everybody in who's bought a home, you know, if you, you have to have an appraisal because the whole loan is based off the value, right? Well, in, in our community, we've seen what we call redlining, whereas, and, and, and it almost happened to my wife and I a few times in, in different ways, um, you, you go and get the appraiser and he comes out and he bids your house way lower than it's worth so you can't get approved for the loan. And I was sharing with them that there was a, a video that was actually a news clip um, uh, one of those discovery, uh, 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 those, those uh, investigative journalists, um, there's this woman and she's trying to get her house renovated. That's all she wants. She wants to renovate her home. And she's had multiple appraisers come out and they keep bidding it low. But she has a Caucasian friend who's in real estate and he says, let's try this. Next time, call the same people out. Take down all the pictures of your family and I'll act like I'm your husband when they come out. And so she did it. And when the, when the appraiser came out, he wrote the loan for like 170000 over what he did the first time. He wrote the appraisal for that. And she was able to go back and get her loan. But it's those subtle ways. Or even, I'll add, on your job. Bobby, you know, has been on the job two weeks. And, and Tyrone has been on the job 30 years. And, and, and he's been trying to get a, get, get, he's more equipped to do what Bobby's doing, and instead of promoting Tyrone, they asked him to train Bobby for the job. I had that actually happen to me personally. And, 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 and I was in management in the oil field, and um, they kept asking me, and, and it happened to me twice actually, in the, over the trucking department, and they had me train people, and then they would put them over me. And I'm like, wait a minute, the thing I'm training him on, I came up with the concept. He didn't even know how to do it. But they said, why don't you show him? And um, people was writing in saying, he's the token in. Talking about me, he's the token in. And, and, and they just use him for this and they just use him for that. He, he, he's there because they have to meet their quota. And that's just back in 2008. Yeah. 
Well, and I think what people don't understand, I, I think the African-American population of Cleveland is about 10%. I could be wrong on that, that figure. But you see, if you go to Fort Worth, you see the African-American population mm -hmm. is, is much greater. Mm -hmm. And many people ask the question, why? Well, the answer to that question is, there's not as many opportunities here mm -hmm. for those of the African-American persuasion. And the racism is greater here mm -hmm. than it is in other areas. Now, you mentioned, um, in the first service, you mentioned it, it kind of being something that's on both sides. And I told a story. But this, this weekend, we went on vacation. And we, we had a problem at the hotel. So I had to go to the front desk and, and speak to the ladies at the front desk. Now, the, ladies, the two ladies at the front desk just happened to be two young African-American females. And I could tell they were nervous that I was speaking to them and what I would do because of who they were at the front desk. And man, that made my heart hurt. Mm -hmm. It made my heart hurt that, that our, our world and our country that we live in, that, that two young ladies are worried that me, a Caucasian male, is going to treat them disrespectfully yeah. because of the color of their skin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, you talked about that there is some... There's, uh, there's racism on both sides. Would you, would you explain that more? Um, so, so what I was saying earlier is indoctrination is everything. What, what we're taught at home, at church, it is the whole of, of what becomes our experience. And, and in your home, if mom and daddy was this and, or mom and daddy experienced that, everybody starts teaching the family line how to deal with this or that based on their experience. Um, and so, it, you know, we learn that, okay, you got to be careful because, you know, they might be undercover KKK. They might be undercover Aryan Brotherhood. They might be whatever, whatever. And so we start guarding ourselves, and that also internalizes as a realm of hate towards the other race because we start living in, in protection mode because... If we say the wrong thing, that Caucasian brother, he might get me fired. If we do the wrong thing, that Caucasian brother might get me, you know, and it affects my whole well-being, how I live, what I want. And so you, you, that whole reality of building a realm of hate comes our nature, becomes our nature. Because we're just trying to live. We, we want the same things. But but because, we just said a few minutes ago, how we put things in place, it, it, it at times can be built, you know, against that person. So, for me, okay. how do we move forward? So, one question that was asked to me between services by a sweet lady, I call her mom. Uh, <laughs> She always wants me to ask these questions, so I'm saying it's her question. Uh, so how do we how do we help build up East Cleveland? How do we go shopping, or how do we how do we build that up? How do we help make that a better place? Okay, okay. So you're going back to politics, right? Okay. Um, I'll say this earlier. I said you know a lot of times we don't want to address 
the politics in the situation and be, you know, the far left, the far right, the far north, eat whatever your poison is, you know. Um, but politics were, were pretty much the foundation of racism back in slavery days. So you, you have to start considering the realities of, number one, we're believers first. So we have to start being concerned for people, concerned for uh, 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 God and his principles, and, and let that be the motivation for how we make decisions. Yes. That has to be our motivation. Yes. How I do whatever in life, how is it going to affect another? You know, and, and, and I think it's kind of a, a catch-22 because we have a natural side. We have a spirit man. And, and Paul described it as the war within our members. If I, if I do this this way, it affects me in this way. And if I do it this way, it affects them in that way. We have to, we have to lean on the Holy Spirit. What is your conviction? What, what, what is God leading you to do? You know, um, advocate for a wholeness in our city. You know, we have people, all of us at some point have paid attention to what, city council, this and that, you know. They're, they're boring meetings, yeah, we've paid yeah, attention. Yeah, the board <laughs> meetings and all that stuff, you know. We need to, we need to be aware. Um, we talked about intimacy, getting to know each other. Spending intentional time with each other, getting to know those in our, and it's not to say, okay, everybody you meet Walmart, hey brother, how you doing? You know, but those in your sphere of influence, that's your starting point. Getting to know them, to understand them, um, so we can all understand each other, to better impact our community. So I think what I'm hearing you say is, we need to be intentional about asking those running for those offices what they're planning on doing mm -hmm. in those areas. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I've preached it here before and a hundred times I'm sure Pastor Kirk has said the same. Politics isn't going to save us. It's not. But it can, it can help us in accomplishing some of the things that are going on in the here and now. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, there will be Democrats in heaven and the Republicans will be surprised. Yeah. And there will be Republicans in heaven and the Democrats will be surprised. It's right. the intentionality of us putting what God says first in all of our being. And, and not letting a man or a woman sway us away, but letting God guide us away. So a lot of this is, you know, the Bible... My, my grandpa always told me we should not be surprised when the world acts like the world. That's good. So if these changes are going to be made, the church is going to have to lead the way. We're called to be different. We're called to be set apart. We're, we all know that under the same Lord that we all serve, that we're not worthy of his love, but he Amen. loves us anyway. And so how do we as the church, how do we lead the way? How do, how do I lead the way? Having moments like today. This is the start. This is the beginning of someone's transformation. Paul, Paul declared, and he said it in a command form, do the work of an evangelist. 
Draw somebody closer to Christ. He didn't say try. He said do it. May, may our lives be such. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. May our lives be such. Start preaching. That we cause transformation in those that we meet. I, I, have, to, I have to take today's. I said it earlier, last time I was here talking about this subject, we talked from Galatians 2 and 10. And, and in that subject matter, it was uh, uh, Paul and Peter together, and they, and they came into the, pa, pa, Peter got to witness that it was not just the Jews who, who were called into the fold, but also the Gentile. But, but when his people came, the Jews, Peter turned back the other way. Are you Peter or are you Paul in that moment? Are you the guy that stands up for what you say you confess as a believer? Or when the good boys come, in, come running, are you the guy who turns back and flips the switch to the other side? Are you the guy that challenges those in your sphere of influence? Or you just want to fit in? We have to be intentional about taking these moments and making it our lifestyle. I told him in the last service, my family represents all creeds, almost. My wife and I are a blended family. She gave me a son, I gave her two daughters. One of my daughters is half Mexican. Her mom was from Monterey. Our, my other daughter is white, half white. And they experience it. My half white daughter, Pastor Todd, she's probably your complexion. And the only way you know she's black is you look at them curls in her hair. Mine stands straight up. But do you know those curls have caused her to experience racism? Yeah. You're not all the way us. Do you know I've had her, had, had her crown my shoulder? Because somebody indoctrinated their child to believe that that difference was wrong. It was evil. So we have to take these moments. This can't be just Sunday service. It can't just be Wednesday night service. Because you know what? The Bible says, and it's a command, the second is just like the first. That you love your neighbor as you love yourself. So how you love me is how you really love yourself. Amen. And how we love is a reflection of how we serve the Lord. That part. You know, and, that, and that's where I, I think we got to get to. The, the solution to all this is intentionality. We have this conversation because we are intentional that we want this to change. Amen. I, I don't want to live in a community that's defined by this. Amen. I want to live in a community that everybody looks at and goes... Whatever Cleveland's doing, we need to do it like that. That's good. Yeah. That's good. But we got to lead the way. Mm -hmm. Truth Church, Hope Church. If we're going to be the only ones doing it, then we'll be the only ones that are going to do it, but we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody will come along eventually. Yeah. But it comes with intentionality. You know, Crystal and I had Pastor Kirk and Akeisha over, over to our house and had a meal. And we asked them questions. We wanted to know. And we heard even more devastating stories 
than you've heard this morning. But we can't understand what they've gone through until we know them, understand what they've gone through. And it's very easy for me to sit here with my experience and say their experience should be a different way when I've never experienced what they've experienced. And that's where we are. As followers of Christ, we are called to love each other. But that doesn't, just because you love someone doesn't mean you understand them completely. You have to work at that. Mm -hmm. You know, when I got married, I didn't suddenly know everything my wife wanted me to know. She's still (laughs) teaching me 13 years later what I need to know. That's good. Amen. Right. She wants me to know that when she starts stacking things on top of the trash can, it's full and it needs to go out. And she's not going to do it. Amen. <laughs> That's a good analogy. <laughs> uh, and and I'm, I'm, you know, it's funny, but I'm being serious. Okay. We see all the signs of the trash being full, but nobody wants to take it out. And we got to take out the trash and start building on that. And it starts with those that notice the problem. Yeah. Right. Like I've, I, now I've had a son and I said, son, your job is to take out the trash. Now he forgets all the time. Mm-hmm. All the time. <laughs> and then we got to say the job is not done until you put a trash bag back in the trash can. Amen. Amen. What well, can I hear somebody? The altars are going to be open. Testify this morning, right? Okay. <laughs> But my son only knows how to do that. Why? Because I taught him. Now, here's one thing we don't have to teach children. Children don't see differences. In fact, my son has gotten me in trouble because he's not seen differences. There there was an instance where uh, an African-American gentleman got very upset with me because my son said, oh, dad, look, it's Darth Vader. Now, Darth Vader was his hero at the time. And he thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I tried to, I said, listen, he goes, you kids, kids see color. I'm like, listen, he, he's calling, he's giving you a compliment. You don't see it as that way, but he's giving you a compliment. My, my son saw nothing other than his hero walking in the door. Mm-hmm. Kids don't see color. They don't see differences. But somewhere along the way, they learn that hate. And where do they learn it? They learn it from us. And so we have to teach our kids that when they see, that when they see injustice happening, when they see the trash piling up, they got to take it out. And they've got to stand up for what's true. I know you want to say something. I feel you. I feel you over there. You you know that... that, Hold your mic up here so they can hear you. That, uh, just that analogy just kind of really painted a visual, you know. Um, I was telling the last service, we have to stop stereotyping groups of people trying to stand up and acknowledge, in this case, the trash. Because one bad apple can't, we can't keep letting one bad apple spoil the bunch. And I was talking about BLM. Not all BLM is out there trying to, you know, whatever it is that we try to paint the picture. There are some who genuinely want justice 
And, and, and we have to acknowledge those are cries that the trash is full. But we miss them because we allow, here, here goes the word for now, fake news to be our guide. We allow social media to be our guide. We, we, we allow people in our sphere of influence who are undercover racists to be our guide. And, and, my, and I see that my wife says it all the time, we are experts without information. And we have, to be in, we have to become informed. Those cries are not for nothing. Trayvon Martin was a cry. The, the trash is full. Amen. The trash is full. We need to deal with it, put a new bag on it, however you look at it. All of these are cries. And we can't, we as believers can't just say he shouldn't have wore that hoodie. He, he, shouldn't, have, he shouldn't have reached for that brush in his pocket. He'd be alive today. Those are cries that something in this nation is off. And we are called to love. Not just our family, not just those in our sphere, everybody. So how do I get engaged with the cry? How do I get engaged? Well, and we can't, sometimes we allow our offense to lead us. You know, I see many that look like me say when, when they hear Black Lives Matter, they say, well, all lives matter. That's not what they're saying. That's not what they're saying. No one is saying, no one from the Black Lives Matter movement is saying that all lives don't matter. They're not saying that. They're saying, pay attention to what we're saying. Pay attention to what is happening. You need to see what is, because the problem is we don't see it. Because it's not in our face. Mm -mm. We, don't, we don't live it every day. And that's where we have to get to. We have to get to an understanding Andy. that our lives are different just because of the color of our skin. It should not be that way. But it is. And it will be that way until we change it. And that change begins with us today, in this time. Yeah, we got to take out the trash. We see that it's full. We see that our wives are stacking the trash, seeing how high they can get it up on the trash can. <laughs> My wife has even resorted to putting it on the counter next to the trash can. You got to do better. Yeah, I got to do better, you know. <laughs> Now my son needs to do better. It's not my job anymore. <laughs> but I got to teach him once the dumpster gets full, we have another dumpster. You can put stuff in that one too. That's a new one. <laughs> He's got to learn too. But how do we as the church, how do we lead the way? Obviously in things like this, but what are some other things that we can do? I would say examine ourselves. You know, we, we have a model. We have a perfect model. And it's spelled B-I-B-L-E. And if you just turn to Galatians 5 and 22 and 23, it will tell you certain fruit that you should manifest as a believer. It, it, it will tell you if you got the Holy Ghost in you, we should see evidence of those fruit. And those fruits can operate with biases. 
If you turn over to Romans chapter 8, Paul will tell you that the flesh and the spirit are enmity with each other. And he'll tell you if you operate in your flesh, you separate from those fruit. Yeah. But he'll also tell you if you operate within the confines of those fruit, you'll manifest God's goodness in the earth realm. And they'll see y'all's model operate through you. And so we have to take a self-examination. God create in me a clean heart. Yes. Yeah, renew in me a right spirit. Yes. Where I'm off, make me right. Yes. Mm, man. I think sometimes, kind of to jump off what Pastor Kirk's saying, sometimes we got to turn off the news. The news ain't never told the truth. Yeah. And turn on the Lord. Because here's what the news is good, do, good at doing. The news likes to take the really small minority of something and blow it up and make you think like it's the normal. This is normal. Us having conversations, us talking, this is normal. The fussing and fighting and people being mean, that's not normal. But the news wants to show you that that's the normal. That's not what it is. So can I say part of what's going to fix this? We got to turn off the Fox News. We got to turn off the CNN. We got to turn off the MSNBC. Turn off the whatever news channel. If I haven't offended you yet, put in that news channel. Uh, we have to turn those off and allow the Lord to speak to us. Yeah. Because their job is to sell you news. That's their job. They need the news reason. makes money. Yeah. And it doesn't make it doesn't make money unless you're watching. Which is why when in Texas, if it gets the least bit cold, stay tuned at 10. We might have some snow. And everybody goes, dear Jesus. <laughs> it might be ice on the ground, but it may never come. But they get those ratings. Never comes. <laughs> kind of like, kind of like, we've got twenty something degree, twenty consecutive days. It's hot outside. Who cares? After ninety five, does it really matter how hot it gets? It's just hot. Why weathermen have a job is beyond me. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, babe. My wife likes the news. I'm sorry. But anyway, <laughs> she likes the weather is what she likes. Anyway, but guys, we have to normalize these conversations. The news normalizes the extreme. Yep. But we are people of God. Yep. We have to be tuned in to more of what he has to say than what the world is saying. Yeah. I feel you. I know you want to say something. <laughs> I just feel, I feel him next to me going, hmm. When, when me and Pastor Todd was discussing this, he was asking me my thoughts. And one of the things the Lord brought to me, um, I had to pull out my notes. I don't remember the scripture, but you know in the scripture where um, Paul talks about the mystery of the gospel. You, you ever read that? Where he talks about the mystery of the gospel. He's talking about the fact that it wasn't just for the Jews. It was for Gentiles as well. Yes, sir. Do you realize we are the Gentiles? Yes. All of us are all, the whole of us are the Gentiles. Yes, 
the Jews didn't want this for us. But through Jesus Christ, we were all engrafted in. Yes, sir. You and me both wouldn't have access. But Paul says it's the mystery of the gospel is this is for all of us. It's for all of us. So your Christianity is for everyone. And we can't just say I'm a black believer. You a white believer. You an Assemblies of God believer. I'm a non-denominate. Whatever, whatever you fill in that blank, we are all simply just believers. We are of the family of the body of Christ. And so that whole Ephesians 3, you said there was? That's my mother-in-law. She's keeping you straight. She does, she does. The mystery that we've hooped and preached and hollered about all this year was that God called us to harmony. It's been that. We say 1 John 4 and 8, God is love, right? We are love. Does your love have biases? Is your love limited? And it's in our community too. We talked about this the last service. I didn't go into it too much here now, but it's in our community too. I was sharing last service when, when, when we had my first daughter. Somebody dear to me said, you had a baby with the white devil. And I had to check them. They was, they, this is biological. Family. I had to check them. Hey, no, 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 no. So you saying my baby a white devil? No, she's beautiful. She's mine. Look just like me. Just Todd's complexion. But I, I got a tan this summer. I'm looking good. Praying for you. Just, just don't look under the shirt. It gets pretty white under there. He said, I'm tan on the top and Casper underneath. Yeah. But, a, lot, a lot of truth to that. <laughs> but we have to make, we, we have to be intentional. The whole mystery, Jesus died for all of us. All of us. It just presses upon me. You know, the Bible talks about there's nothing new under the sun. Paul was dealing with racism, even with the Jews versus the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. But praise God that Paul persisted. Yeah. yeah. And allowed us to be included. Yeah. So it's imperative for us to persist because now there's no question whether the Gentiles are included into the kingdom of God. I truly believe that we all can see a generation where nobody sees differences in the color of our skin I and mean, treats us differently. I mean, the, the next generation seem to get it. They do. I mean, if, I, I, I've, I've never seen until the last few, well, this past decade, it's starting to become more common that you see a white grandpa with a black or half Hispanic grandchild in the store. So I think, although we may not want to admit it, that represents a realm of progress. Yes. Well, in the generation that is to come, mm -hmm. or is here now, they get it. 
Yeah. They don't see differences. Yeah. And if we as the church don't get on that, mm-hmm. they're going to be done with us. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Because the world, and he said it last service, the world has made itself available to the cry that's out there. But the church hasn't. If you don't mind. Preach. In Cleveland, I don't know if y'all know it, we have a... We don't have another service uh, after this, so we're good. uh, What do they call it? The Ministerial Co-op? Yeah. All the pastors are connecting... My dad's connected to that. He's strong in that movement. He's the president now. Exactly. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And we've had conversations where he says, son, pray. Because I went to so-and-so pastor, uh, a Caucasian pastor, and he flat out told me, and this is in the last two years, my church isn't ready for that yet. Yeah. My church isn't ready for that yet. They partner, they do. For a while, we was doing a Remembering the Body conference. Couldn't get, couldn't get people to come out. And it was all about us coming together. That's all it was about, us coming together. But even in, in, in such, we're not ready for that yet. But how do we confess Jesus Christ, but don't love our brother. What type of church are we? And so, and I, and I say that to say, that's what the next generation sees. Have you ever heard of Barna Group? I know you have. They do a lot of research on churches and the church in America. Go to their website. They'll show you the numbers of the, of the, the different age groups through research. They're just leaving the church in droves because they don't see us living what we, what we preach. That's right. I love you, but I'm going to clutch my purse every time I see a black man pass me in the store because he looked like he might steal. If I could tell you how many times that's happened to me, I would probably be a millionaire. And they never know I'm a pastor. I love Jesus Christ. I love people. But as soon as I pass them on the sidewalk, that purse gets slid to the side. I don't want nothing from nobody. At the same time, he was talking about the girls in the, in the, in the, in the hotel. That, and I'm working on it myself, it's conditioned me to move further away when I see it. Because you can see a mile away who's going to move their purse. And just so I won't be uncomfortable, I'll just move over. But we represent Jesus Christ. How do we get to a place where we're bold enough to model Jesus and be confident, Philippians 1, 6, that he who has begun a good work shall perform it, if we let him, till the day of Jesus Christ. We have to let God be God in our lives and stop trying to make God who is supernatural, natural. We take all the supernatural out of God when we put them within the confines of our flesh. And the perfect work 
that was done on the cross works. We don't put it within our biases. It will work to win brothers and sisters. Oh, man. And I think what we're saying is if we don't get this figured out, the world's going to lead the way when we're supposed to be leading the way. The church is struggling like it never has before. I know it doesn't look like it this morning. Praise Jesus. But if we don't practice, if we will not practice what we preach, which is love God and love others, why would the world want anything to do with us? It hasn't changed us. Why would they think it would change them? That's good. Has it really changed us? Well, with that being said, I'm going to bring up our better halves. (laughs) That's you guys. (laughs) They're just sitting there looking at us. And I'm going to have Pastor Akisha pray us out. Would y'all stand with us? Pastor Akisha is going to pray us home to maybe some AC that'll work. Praise you. <laughs> I'm, call, I'm calling Air Masters Monday morning. We'll get it fixed. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for this time, for this moment. And even now, God, we call on your spirit to do the work of healing. Healing in our minds and our hearts, God, and our emotions. Father, we decree even now that the overturning of false and incorrect doctrine doctrine, be completely disintegrated and eradicated from our lives. Father, I thank you now, Jesus, God, that you have called us to this moment of realignment. God, this moment of understanding, this moment of repentance, not just for one group, but for every group. God, the group called the church, we repent now for not taking our rightful place, for not standing on your principles and your word. Father, we thank you now that your blood still has power, power to cleanse us and wash us. Thank you, God, that your voice still has power to realign us and bring us back into position. I thank you now, God. That you are calling us, Father, to be who you've commanded us to be, the church of God. That we are no longer separated by denominations and skin color. But, Father, because we made you as Lord. Yes, God, I thank you now, Jesus. Yes, Oh, my God. 
giants that are awakening in this area that are not afraid. Come. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, man. They are not afraid. I thank you, man. Yes, Lord. That we have come into unity one with the other. Yes, Lord. As the saints of God, we bless you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.